when you think about temptation, how do you get to temptation? You can probably think very quickly about what the big temptations are for you, whether it's eating a row of Oreos or talking bad about someone behind their back or looking at something dangerous online. Uh, maybe it's responding harshly to an email. You can identify the big temptations for you, but how do you get there? And then on top of that, who leads you to temptation? Or do you lead you to temptation? Uh, why do you yield to temptation? And while Jesus was on this earth, he would regularly extend a two-word invitation to everyone. Follow me. Or another way to say that, allow me to lead you. And if someone invites you to follow them, our natural response is to ask, well, follow you where? And why should I follow you? And if we are trying to let Jesus lead us, how do we not allow temptation to lead us? How do we follow Jesus and not the temptation? That when you're tempted, do you actually want to be rescued by following Jesus or just sort of follow the temptation? Today we're in part three of a series called Grown Up Prayers. Uh, most of us have grown up with at least some experience or knowledge of prayer from the early days of our spiritual journeys. But for some of us, our prayers didn't grow up with us. And just like Jesus' disciples, many of us can see a difference between our prayers and the type of prayers that Jesus prayed. So one of those disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, you'll certainly pick up some tips on prayer as we look at what Jesus said about prayer. But if you are a Jesus follower, then you really have no choice but to follow Jesus' instructions on how to pray. And Jesus starts off by saying, don't pray to impress other people because God isn't impressed with that. He says, don't go on and on about what you need or what you want because God already knows what you need. Which leads all of us to the question Jesus wanted to bring us to. Why should we pray? If God already knows what we need before we ask, why should we pray? And according to Jesus, the purpose of prayer is to align or realign ourselves with God's agenda. The purpose of prayer is not to inform God of our wants and our needs or the wants and needs of others. That Jesus said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. That we need to sort of pause to acknowledge who we are praying to because he is the one who gives context and meaning to our lives. And if we were sort of rushed by this, then we will be tempted to resist what follows next. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That people who are just consumers or users of Christianity, they don't get to this place. That Jesus wants us to stay here until we can say with sincerity, God, your agenda before my agenda. And then Jesus sort of pivots to where we usually begin our prayers, asking. That Jesus gives us sort of three sections about what to ask God for. Provision, pardon, and protection. It says this in verse 11, Give us today the food we need. And this leads us to a continued posture of dependence on and surrender to God for providing all that we need. Verse 12, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. That sort of God forgive me and to the same degree that I have forgiven others. And just like I surrender my right to revenge against the person who wronged me, I am surrendering to God's agenda of loving other people and forgiving them. And so last week we looked at the connection between learning to swim and learning to pray, that prayer should lead us to depend on and surrender to God. So last week was about the first two sections, the provision, the pardon, and now today we're talking about protection. It says this in verse 13, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Uh, basically, God protect us from temptation. And if we could sort of personalize this for a moment, and don't let me yield to temptation, but rescue me from the evil one. So do you pray this? 
Like most of us pray for parking spots and safe travel and good grades. But what about this? Do you ask God to help you with temptation? Can you pray this prayer with a clear conscience? Because you can't be planning to yield to temptation or lead yourself into temptation and then pray not to yield to temptation. Though I guess you could, but you'd be a hypocrite, which Jesus already talked about. And Jesus was actually led into temptation, and so he knew what he was talking about. He had been there, and he dealt with that, and he was familiar with what temptation was like. In fact, the author of Hebrews reminds us of how intense the temptation was for Jesus. Hebrews verse, chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And when it says every way, that's sort of a powerful thing because we usually just sort of think of the three temptations Jesus faced that were mentioned in the Gospels. But there were more and other temptations beyond that. It says, yet he did not sin. And and this is what Jesus meant when he said, do not let us yield to temptation. And yielding sort of means to give way under pressure or sort of bending one way or the other. That Jesus did not yield to temptation. And in light of that, the author of Hebrews says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This sort of approaching God's throne of grace includes coming to God in prayer, especially in our time of need, which specifically is when we're being tempted, that we can have confidence coming to God in prayer during times of temptation because Jesus can empathize with us since he experienced temptation. Uh, We're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 6, or actually, sorry, rather, chapter 4. You can follow along in the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, head to Bible.com slash app. Once you're in the app, head to the More Menu option in the bottom right corner, select Events, and you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. Again, Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And to be clear, this record of Jesus' temptation was much bigger than a lesson on how to overcome temptation. But in a similar way, Jesus' lesson on prayer was much bigger than a lesson about how to pray. That these are lessons on how to live according to Jesus' way. Verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Now, we aren't going to spend much time on the devil part, because that isn't necessarily the point of this lesson from Jesus. And in fact, you don't have to believe in a literal devil to apply the principles from this story about Jesus' temptations. Verse 2, for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. Now that last part is maybe one of the most obvious statements in the scriptures, um, but Matthew included this and recorded this to make sure his audience knew that Jesus was not only God, but also human like us. He wasn't some sort of ghost, spirit only kind of thing. He was human. And like you and me, when we are hungry, Jesus was vulnerable in this moment. So temptation number one, during that time, the devil came. Now again, don't get hung up on the word devil, because actually Matthew uses a different word in this verse that sort of means tempter, tester, prodder, inquisitor, poker. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. In other words, just sort of speak to it. And if you really are the son of God, then it will be done for you. And this first temptation leads us to the first principle that is true about almost all temptations. Temptation leads us to embrace selfishness. That Jesus was being tempted to use his status and his power just for himself, to put himself first. That Jesus, aren't you entitled to this? Like, don't you have the power to do this? Verse 4, but Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That Jesus is sort of flashing back to a season when God would provide special bread for his people 
in the desert. And just like Jesus' prayer taught us to depend on God for the food that we need today, this reference is again reminding us to depend on God on a daily or even an hourly basis. That Jesus says, even though I am the Son of God, I will not act independently of my Heavenly Father. Because to do so is embracing my self-interest and selfishness. And even with all the food that I could eat, I am dependent on God for life. And then temptation number two. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And this sort of highest point of the temple was the southeast corner of the temple. And at this, po- at this corner, you could look down hundreds of feet into the valley below. And historians report that if people stood there too long, they would sort of start to get dizzy and would have to set, step back from it. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. It's as if the tempter was saying to Jesus to do this because people would notice. Uh, People sort of noticed you at the Jordan River right before this uh, with your baptism. But if you jumped off from here and just sort of shook off the dust, that would be spectacular and people would notice you. He continues, For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Like, didn't God promise to take care of you, Jesus? Uh, Don't you have faith in God? Don't you believe in him? And in this moment, he was tempting Jesus to do what many of us are tempted to do, including with our prayers. We're tempted to use or manipulate God. Uh, This might be the the version of prayer that you grew up with, uh, the version of prayer that you walked away from, the version of prayer that is the reason you haven't been to a church in a while. And this version of prayer says, if you pray, you will receive. If you just believe enough, it will happen. If you quote a verse, well, God has to come through for you. Verse 7, Jesus responded, The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And Jesus is quoting a section uh, back with Moses and the nation of Israel when the people thought God had to do something for them because they were his people. And Moses would reply, You are God's chosen people, but you cannot manipulate God. And the second principle about temptation is that temptation can look like faith, but is really manipulation. The moment you begin looking for a formula, the moment you try to do these three things consistently, uh, the moment you try to sort of manipulate God, and you think God has to do something for you, in that moment, you are practicing magic. Uh, Your faith has sort of become superstition. Your faith starts looking more like the ways of the world around you that is really all about me. And in fact, Jesus came to introduce a new way of living that is vastly different and really about others. So let's pause for a moment uh, before we sort of move into Jesus' third temptation. Why are powerful people so inclined to compromise themselves, whether that's morally, ethically, financially? Uh, You might think the more power a person has, the better the person they would become. Well, you know, they have less financial pressure and less people telling them what to do and they have more freedom. So a person might become a better person if that was the case. In fact, you probably think that if you had more power and more influence and more wealth, you would be a better person. So why is it that powerful people often compromise themselves? Why is that their inclination now that they have the power and influence and wealth, and so I'm going to sort of leverage it for my benefit? Uh, Where does that come from? Uh, Why is it that power and influence and wealth generally don't make people better? And this is why I think everyone should follow Jesus. And this is actually why I think you should follow Jesus. That throughout Jesus' life, Jesus modeled and taught something completely different. That power is not primarily for the benefit of the powerful, he would teach. And that's something that may not be new to you, but that was new in the first century. That was certainly not the way the world worked back then. 
He would also teach that wealth is not primarily for the benefit of the wealthy. And the reality is that almost all of us, uh, probably all of us, are wealthy because a vast majority of the people in the world would consider us wealthy compared to them. And either way, Jesus asked people constantly. He sort of had a way of asking people to look at what was in their hands. Like, what do you do? What do you think that is for? And many of us say, well, I earned it. I deserve it, right? But Jesus would also say influence is not primarily for the benefit of the influential. And what we're going to see next is that Jesus was tempted to see power, wealth, and influence the way the world does, which is sort of sacrificing everything to acquire it. And Jesus would be tempted to take for himself what was his in this third temptation. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now, they didn't have Google Earth, but somehow the tempter showed Jesus the kingdoms of this world and their glory, which in some way is what we all want. Verse 9, I will give it to you, I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. That all you have to do is recognize that it is mine to give. And not even for the rest of your life, I'm just asking you to recognize for a moment that it is mine to give. I want you, I want to leverage, I want you to leverage this moment for yourself, which leads us to principle number three. Temptation invites us to yield to ourselves. Almost every time these temptations are at the expense of other people. But who refuses what they are entitled to? Who refuses what they deserve? And who refuses what is coming their way? The people you have the most respect for do that, including Jesus. Verse 10, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And as a kid, I actually memorized the NIV version of this verse, which Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, while that was a sort of a helpful verse for some of my times of temptation, in my mind, I think I focused on the first part about Satan leaving rather than the part I think Jesus invites us to when it comes to temptation in his, t in his teaching on prayer. That when temptation comes, Jesus invites us to follow him rather than the temptation. And that might sound obvious, but this also brings us back to the question. When you are tempted, do you actually want to be rescued by following Jesus or just sort of follow the temptation? Do you actually want to be delivered from the temptation? Or maybe do you really sort of play that sin now, ask for forgiveness later again? That you're tempted and you decide to give in to the temptation because you can get forgiveness later. But you can't be planning to yield to temptation and pray to be rescued at the same time. And so Jesus says, when you pray, Pray like this, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And the word rescue in this verse includes the idea that we are being rescued from something dangerous. Now, many times the reason we yield to temptation or we lead ourselves into temptation is because we are convinced or we sort of convince ourselves that this temptation isn't actually dangerous. We lead ourselves into temptation and then we ask God to rescue us from our own evil. Or, or worse yet, we lead ourselves into temptation and then we blame God for evil. So who leads you? Or who do you follow into temptation? Or said another way, who leads you to regret? And now we find ourselves back at surrender because embracing surrender and following Jesus is the alternative to being led by temptation. And this path of surrender is, is not just discipline, though it does require some discipline. This path is not just self-control, though it does require self-control. The path, this path, that leads you away from temptation is saying yes to following Jesus. And prayer is following Jesus rather than ourselves or our temptations. 
that following Jesus requires surrender. But here's the promise from Jesus. I will not lead you to temptation. I will lead you to look beyond you, beyond manipulation, and beyond selfishness. I will lead you to do for others what I have done for you. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This comes with the assumption that we're being led by Jesus because we're following him. So, are you? The assumption is that you have surrendered your agenda. Have you? Because on the flip side, what do you have to show for all the temptation you have led yourself into? What do I have to show for all the temptation that I said yes to? Because generally speaking, saying yes to temptation results in a decrease in something. A lack of financial security, a decreased ability to be generous, a lack of trust between spouses, parents and kids, friends, decreased transparency, and possibly the erosion of physical and mental health. That giving into temptation limits your options. It allows less freedom and more regret. The temptation is sort of the threshold to loss. Uh, choosing to follow Jesus is a threshold to life. That's from Andy Stanley. That choosing to follow Jesus is an invitation to put others first and to have less regret. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this teaching on temptation. Thank you for Jesus not only modeling for us uh, how to pray, but modeling for us how to deal with temptation, how, how to follow you in temptation. And so we can have confidence in following you because you can lead us away from temptation. So God, I ask that you'd help us this week. Uh, when we face temptation, would you help us to remember you? Would you help us to remember this prayer to, to ask you to help us not yield to temptation? but help us to follow you. God, would you please help us to do that? In those moments where we are being tempted, would you help us to pause long enough and would you just prompt us first to remember to pray to you and to ask you for help? And maybe before all that, before we get into temptation, would you help us to start our day asking you to help us, to inviting you into our day, to inviting you into what we're going to do for the day, that you would help us to avoid the temptation, whatever that might look like. If that involves selfishness or our self-interest or, or doing something that manipulates you, would you help us to start our day inviting you in the process? God, thank you for helping lead us. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for being with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.